Hello, and welcome back to For You and For Me, a new way to listen to Monsignor Kieran Harrington's homilies. This past Sunday was the seventh Sunday of Easter. Monsignor gives us his thoughts on the three readings, from the communal prayer of the apostles in the first reading to the prayer we hear Jesus say to the Father toward the end of his ministry as related by St. John, Monsignor asks us to remember that we are not alone, and that we do this as we strive to carve out some time for prayer as often as we can. Uh, the scriptures today offer to, us, uh, offer to us a great challenge, and I think the first part I think about is, is Jesus' is what we call in John's Gospel the high priestly prayer of Christ. So notice this is the high priestly prayer of Christ, and you see that Jesus says, I lift my eyes up to heaven. In the instruction in the Roman Missal, when the priest is saying the Mass, in the first Eucharistic prayer, it says the priest looks up to heaven, recounting these words as he's about to offer the sacrifice of the Eucharist. Looking up, this is what we hear first time he's looking up to heaven. So clearly this is a very solemn moment. So this passage in John 17, if you get home and you have a Bible, you might want to read it slowly. This goes on a little bit. The great high priestly prayer of Christ because he's talking about the, his sanctification and the sanctification of the world. And so for a moment we might consider what is he offering for us. Notice that first Jesus is saying, I glorify Father glorify me. Jesus is praying that he be glorified. We might think, is this like the selfishness of Christ? It's all about me now? No. Notice Jesus is saying, glorify me that I may give glory to you. So Jesus' whole life is about giving glory to the Father. Everything about him is about giving glory to the Father. Notice the second part of his prayer today. His prayer is for the disciples. Now, in that prayer, some things should strike out, should stand out for us. What do we know about the apostles having read the scriptures? What do we know even from the very last moments of Christ's death, even after his resurrection? It's that they didn't have a lot of faith. They really failed in so many different ways. All throughout the scriptures, we're hearing about the failings of the apostles, whether they abandoned him at the cross, whether they were squabbling over who is the most important, whether they were, whatever it might have been that they were doing, telling people, shushing people away, not understanding that Jesus was going to have the work that he was going to have to accomplish. All throughout the scriptures, every time we're reading about the apostles, they're usually getting it wrong in the gospels. Notice... Now, in this high priestly prayer, Jesus is affirming the apostles. He's saying they understand what I have been called to do. They have been faithful. So this then should be language which is spoken to you and to me. This word of encouragement that Jesus offers us, that despite whatever it might be, the failings, the inadequacies of our life, Jesus is affirming us in our discipleship of him, and he is praying for us. And notice that he calls us out of the world. This is holiness. Holiness is being set apart. And everybody here has been set apart by baptism. In your baptism, you have been 
set apart and called to be holy. And so this is important for us, is how then do I live in holiness? Well, I think that St. Peter gives us an understanding of that, right? St. Peter says to us that in your suffering, give glory to God, that in our suffering, we glorify God because we are configured to Christ. So think for a moment about the different challenges that each of you face in your life. Each of us have different challenges, whether it is a question about money, whether it is a question about my boss, whether it's a question about I'm fighting with my wife, whether it's a question about my children or are having difficulties in school or with colleagues, whatever it might be. Each of us are facing some suffering. That you suffer does not make you good. How you suffer is what makes you good and makes you a Christian. This is what we're hearing St. Peter say to us. So notice that St. Peter says, don't suffer because you're a thief. That kind of suffering is not, don't bring shame to us. But if you are able to suffer, even suffer unjustly, and offer all of that to Christ, that is what is pleasing to him. You're set apart. You see, this high priestly prayer that we are hearing in St. John's Gospel, this has been extended to you as well. You who are priests by virtue of your baptism. And the gifts which you offer that you bring forward, the bread and the wine which you bring forward, which you know are symbols of yourself. All the conquests that you've had in the last week, all the tears that you shed in the past week, these are all being offered to God. And God does not take these and hold them simply to himself. But the nature of who God is, is that he extends to you a gift in return. We have just celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. And of course, we know that in listening to our Acts of the Apostles, the disciples gather in the upper room to pray. Notice the connection between Acts of the Apostles and St. John's High Priest Prayer. If you're listening to this prayer, maybe you're thinking to yourself, if you don't know anything, you might be saying, did this prayer take place after the crucifixion? It takes place before the crucifixion. Right? Jesus is speaking about the things that will occur in the future, but he's speaking about it in a way as though they did occur. In other words, Jesus is speaking from the perspective of eternity. He is now no longer constrained as we are by time and space. He's standing outside of time and space as he offers this great high priestly prayer. Now we hear the disciples, who kind of understand all this, even though they're sad. I mean, imagine, imagine their perspective. They've walked with Christ. They've seen the miracles he's performed. They recognize their own inadequacies. They recognize those moments where they've abandoned him and, and they were not present with him in his moment of greatest distress. Then they experience him back with them telling them that it's all going to be okay, giving them strength and courage to move forward. And then he ascends to the Father. Imagine how sad they might be. It's almost anticlimactic, the ascension, isn't it? I mean, the resurrection we get, he was dead and he's back. That I understand. But now that he's ascended to the Father, there's something, there's something that's sad about that for the for the apostles. And so they're praying. What does that say for us? The need for prayer in your life and in my life. 
And so maybe today, as we are meditating on the great high priestly prayer of Christ, where he prays that God glorify him, but then he prays that God give us his glory, his strength, his gift of perseverance, maybe for you and for me, we can take today as a day to say, how often do I pray? Do I, like the disciples, get to that upper room? that place that's kind of safe and secure where I speak only to God and where God gives me the good things that I need. The upper room is an important place, right? In the upper room, we know that Jesus first celebrates the Eucharist, the upper room. The upper room is the place where the disciples go to hide, to lock the doors during the crucifixion. Well, they're back in the upper room. And the challenge for us is that in our prayer, what our prayer reminds us is that we are not alone. We may feel that we are alone, as the disciples might have felt that they were alone after Christ endured the cross. But what the upper room now represents is not abandonment, but that Christ is with us even in the midst of our suffering. And so, brothers and sisters, for you and for me, Maybe the challenge we can ask ourselves is, how much time do we devote to prayer? It is challenging to devote yourself to prayer when you have jobs and you have small children. Where do I find the time? It is difficult to devote yourself to prayer when you have to be about so many things in your life as we seem to be overscheduled where social media kind of washes over us and we're forever being stimulated. But the challenge is, for you and for me, is to find that time, that space in the upper room where we can speak only to God. So that way, when these gifts of bread and wine are being brought up, you are not hurriedly thinking about, what is it that I'm asking God for today? But that your pr prayer is built upon a life of reflection, of knowing the challenges that you face, and not simply that you face, but that the world faces, and offering that to God in confidence, confidence that God does not simply take what you have to give, as he simply does not take what Christ has to give, but he makes a return for the gift that we give. For in the same way that Jesus offers himself upon the cross, God manifests his glory in his resurrection, so too he takes what you have to offer of yourselves as you mount the cross and makes a gift in return to you of his glory. You do not see it yet, because unlike Christ, we do not pray from the perspective of eternity. We pray from a perspective limited by time and space, but we are confident because we have faith that one day we shall see God face to face, and so we are unafraid. May God bless you. Time to get my Bible and look up that full 17th chapter in the Gospel of John. If you're in Brooklyn, I invite you to come to English Language Mass at the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph at 9 a.m. or 12 noon on Sundays. Comments or questions? 
Tweet at Monsignor H and with the hashtag FYAFM or email me at podcast at desalesmedia.org and I may be able to address them the next time we do a face-to-face episode. For You and For Me is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. For Monsignor Kieran Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by for You and For Me.